Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hello, everyone online over in Oak Creek here in Greenfield. My name is John, and I am the director of Ridge Students here in Greenfield. And I actually grew up in Seattle, Washington, where I was the third of four brothers. We have Jordan, Joe, myself, John, and Jacob. Now, if you're thinking that's a lot of J names, it is. And so not only do I know how to respond to John, but also to Jordan, Joe, and Jacob. And sometimes Jingleheimer, but that's just like a whole different thing. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about growing up with a bunch of brothers is that everything is a competition. You know, so it was who could eat the most food, who could run the fastest, who could play the best Nintendo 64. A, a bad competition for me ended up being who was going to be the tallest because I didn't win that competition. Yeah, my, my little brother passed me up. That was a source of pride, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, what's interesting is that it was never about being good at the specific thing that we were trying to do. It was always just really about being better than your brother. It was always just about better than your other brother. And last week, we actually kicked off a brand new series of talks uh, that we call Better. And so as we think ahead to the next season of our life, you know, whether uh, it could be the current season even, and we want that next season to be better. You know, it could be better stuff, it could be better health, it could be better relationships. Even if the last season was good, or even if it wasn't that bad, we still hope the next season would be better, don't we? You know, even, uh, and we talked about that a, a major way that we could make it better, uh, impact it for the better for our own lives, was through something that we all have, but we might not normally think about, and that's influence, which we just said was our ability to affect the attitude and the actions of a person. So it's, it's our ability to change, you know, for better or worse, really, someone's mindset, their attitude, their emotions, and how they respond to a given situation. Now, um, what I, how I like to picture this, because I'm, I'm a pretty visual person, is I like to think about it this way. Imagine each one of these marbles is just a little bit better, okay? And, and this jar represents well, your life. So, so it's, a, it's marbles, it's just a little bit better uh, health, okay? It's a better confidence at work. It's less stress at work. Maybe it's a little bit better relationship with your significant other. Your kids, they behave a little bit better. That'd be nice, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just more time uh, with your family. You get to go on that vacation you were hoping for just a little bit better. And our hope is, right, that, that as we would, um, we would increase the amount of marbles in our jar, we'd make our lives better. And we talked about, you know, we, we use our influence to do that. And last week, we mentioned that the major way that that happens is we start by actually influencing ourselves. So we affect our own attitude. We affect our own mindset on things. We create some habits that, that could be super helpful, whether it's um, this thing or the other. And, and one of the most important things we could do was letting go of that thing that was mastering us and really leaning into the freedom that Jesus gives us. And um, it was this idea of, you know, everyone benefits from better you. And so we start by influencing ourselves. But what's interesting, as we think about you know, the full jar, if this represented the perfect life, our best possible life, you know, we may have taken a step 
and made our life a little bit better, but we notice something, don't we? It's not quite as satisfying as we imagine. It's not quite what we picture it. And that's because that even though, well, a better life, because while a foundation of a better life starts with a better you, it's not finished until it moves beyond you. So we begin by influencing ourselves. We work on those little habits. But then we move on to influencing others. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The key to influencing others in a way that just makes life better. Now, we're not talking about manipulation or trying to control someone. In fact, it's actually quite the opposite. And so what's this key? What's the key to influencing others in a way that that makes life better? Well, to answer that, we're going to talk about uh, an interesting and kind of comical story about Jesus and 12 of his closest friends they're called the, the 12 disciples. And the disciples are actually the perfect group to learn from because, well, they, they really wanted better just like us. Now, it started for them when they were young. So while today everyone might gr- uh, every young boy might want to grow up to be like Giannis or, or Yelich, in the first century, it was every young Jewish boy's dream to become a rabbi or a teacher of God. And so to do that, they would, uh, and the reason why they'd want to do that was because rabbis, they had the most influence, they had the authority, they had the popularity, they had the followers. I mean, they ha- it was the dream job. But like any dream job, it was hard to get into. It was hard to become a rabbi. So they would go to this school, think like elementary school, for rabbis. And their job was to, first thing they had to do was memorize the first five books of what we call the Old Testament. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which are, which are hard enough to read, and they had to memorize them, right? And that's, that's 80,000 words. I have a hard time remembering how to say, much less spell, like, onto the combo, right? I don't, did I say that right? I don't even know. But they had to memorize 80,000 words, which, which is a daunting task. But even when they did that, they weren't done. Only the best of the best, they got the privilege of memorizing the entire Jewish scripture, but they still weren't done. Then whoever memorized that the best, whoever knew that the best, got a chance to interview a rabbi. And they would talk to them about their interpretation, their thoughts on something. And if, if the rabbi thought that they had a lot of potential, the very top, top percent, then they would say, come and follow me. Now, what we know about the 12 disciples is they were just 12 ordinary guys with ordinary jobs, like, like fishermen. And so they were rabbi school dropouts. They didn't have what it took. They were told they didn't have, they weren't good enough. But then Jesus came along, and he said to them, come and follow me. And they did. And all of a sudden, they got to experience better. I mean, they were part of this popular movement. They were, all of a sudden, they were gaining popularity, and, and they got to experience these miracles, these amazing, amazing things happening. They got to apply what Jesus was teaching right into their lives, and, and he was influencing people. Jesus was influencing people to make their lives better, and, and it was making the disciples' lives better, too. And so they were on track to be rabbis of their own, and they were on track what they thought to, to gain the same type of influence that Jesus had. And, well, Jesus is going to tell them how they can get that same type of influence, but it might not be as they think. So as we join this story, uh, Jesus is taking his, his 12 disciples up to Jerusalem. 
And he's already predicted um, that something's gonna happen. See, at this point, the religious leaders at the time, they had realized that Jesus had, was creating this movement and their popularity was drifting from them to Jesus. And so they wanted to kill him. And Jesus predicted that. And well, let's see what he has to say. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man, that was just another name that Jesus used to refer to himself, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. So he's preparing the disciples for the stuff that's about to happen. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. So this is Jesus' plan. He's going to die, but then three days later, he's going to come back to life. Now, the disciples, they don't fully understand this. And we know that they don't understand this because they were not waiting by the tomb on Easter Sunday, counting down 10, 9, 8. There was no chocolate bunnies waiting for Jesus, okay? There was nothing, none of that. And we know specifically that two disciples clearly misread the situation because they're going to ask Jesus for something. Now, if somebody tells you that they're going to die, you don't respond to them by asking for a favor, right? Yeah, but these disciples do. This is what they say to him. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want for you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus kind of plays along, you know, even though he knows it's coming. He says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. This is kind of like a parent who knows when their child's done something wrong, but is just waiting for them to tell them, okay? This is what Jesus says, or they say to Jesus. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. So they're asking for like top positions right underneath Jesus. They want this authority. They want this influence. They want this special privilege, kind of like a, uh, a lifetime first class ticket on an airplane or an unlimited fast pass at Great America. They're trying to influence Jesus to make their life better. They want a disadvantage. And what's interesting is that these are part of the 12 disciples that got to spend the majority of their time with Jesus. So they were already able to see so much amazing things, these miracles, these incredible things that Jesus was doing, but it wasn't enough for them. They still wanted better. In fact, James and John, they were actually part of a select group of three people within those 12 disciples that got to experience even more time. They were like the best friends. They got to experience more of Jesus than anyone else, but it still wasn't enough. They didn't feel like their life was measuring up. Now, the other 10 disciples heard about what they asked, and they, they felt a way about that. This is what happens. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. So they get angry and annoyed that, that, the, that these two would, would ask such a selfish and rude and backhanded question. And I also think it's partly because they didn't think to ask it first. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you realize you could have asked for something that you didn't ask for. Like, yeah, it's like it's if I was like, at the other day I was at a Chick-fil-A and I ordered a cookies and cream milkshake. And the person behind me orders a chocolate, one with chocolate ice cream instead. Like, that's an option? It is, and it's delicious, let me tell you. And so they're like jockeying for position at this point. You know, they're bickering back and forth. Maybe they're just like, uh, Jesus, I'll just stand awkwardly behind you. I just want a position too. And Jesus sees them arguing with each other, and he's going to use it to teach them something that they're never going to forget. This is what he says to them. 
Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their high officials, they exercise authority over them. So he's like, you know those people that are in high positions of authority and they love to use their energy, their, their efforts, their, their influence, their authority to kind of gain all the marbles for themselves in their own jar. They're, they're focused on building themselves up, even if it means pushing people down. They're focused on themselves. They don't really care about necessarily what's happening to others. And maybe it's not even that they don't care about that. They're just so focused on themselves. Now, we don't, we've never experienced anyone like that in authority in our lives, have we? No. Now, unfortunately, we can probably all picture someone in our lives that has treated us that way, or we know they've treated others that way. But the disciples, they're probably nodding like, yeah, yeah, Jesus. In fact, we're ready for that. We're ready for that same type of influence and authority. We're ready to be at the top. We're ready for, for our jar to get filled. And haven't we said that too? We're like, God, I'm ready for the full jar. I'm ready to have all that stuff. I'm ready to get what I want. I'm ready for that. You know, and, and so the disciples, they're at this point, they're picturing like, okay, we're going to gain all this influence and gain this authority. Jesus is going to tell us the secret to how to do this. Well, Jesus does tell them a secret. This is what he says. Not so with you. So Jesus says that lording over, that selfish ambition that makes it all about you, it's going to be different with me. You may want that, but that's not going to be you. You may want to focus on making your life better at the sake of others, but we do things differently. You may want to use your influence to make your life better, but, but he says that's not how we're going to influence people. It's different with me. Not so with you. So then, how do we? How do we influence others to make life better? Well, Jesus is actually going to give them something that's better than better. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you. So all of a sudden, there's something new on the table. Something that maybe they had never even thought that they could get before. They were focused on this better thing, on making their life better. But Jesus offers them something more. He offers them greatness. And he says, it's not just available for one of them. So I'm sure they're all leaning in because it was available for all of them. And just like it was available for all of them, it's available for you and for me, for your kid, for, for your neighbor, for our coworkers. And Jesus tells us the secret to how to do that. He gives us a secret to influencing others in a way that makes life better. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. This is how we influence others. We serve them. And I'm sure the disciples, they were picturing that they were going to find out that they were going to be the MVP, the, the hero, the person on top that was getting everything done for them and everyone was working for them, you know. But Jesus gives them a much different picture. He says, to be great, you have to serve. A servant, servants aren't great. Servants serve people who are great. They spend their time, they spend their influence doing things for other people. They don't get things done for them. They're at the bottom rung. And isn't that the not natural thought for us too? 
You know, we think of servants as a lowly position, but Jesus says, no, actually, to be great, you serve others. But maybe it'd be helpful for us to have a little bit of a different idea of, of serving. Because I think for us, we come in with this idea of what it means to serve, what it means to be a servant. But what Jesus is really getting, what Jesus is really getting at is this. To serve is to make someone's life better. Doesn't that just make it a little bit simpler to think about? A servant is someone who consistently makes someone else's life better. Jesus says, the greatest in the eyes of God are those who choose to serve others. Because greatness isn't actually a measure of how much you build yourself up, how much you make your own life better. Greatness is the amount that you make the life of someone else better. Now, maybe, maybe as you're thinking about this, you're thinking, hmm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Hey, talk is cheap. It's easy. And maybe the disciples were thinking the same thing. So, so Jesus gives them an example, one they couldn't ignore. This is what he says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was how Jesus influenced others. He served them. I mean, even though he's the son of God, even though he has all the position, he has the authority, he has the influence, if there was ever someone who could have built themselves up, who could have spent their time filling their jar, it was Jesus, but he didn't do that. Instead, he spent his time serving people. He spent his time healing people and caring for people, eventually dying for people. That's how he served others. It wasn't about building up this influence for himself. It was about making the lives of others better. And God, the creator of the heaven and the earth, and he sent his son to die for us. That was his way of serving us. Now, we can, we can, we can focus on, you know, filling our jar. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's a great place to start. You know, create those habits. Start there. But to be great, to really influence others in a way that makes life better, it takes something else. It takes serving them, which is hard because it's those moments where we have a choice. We can cut that person off when we're late to that meeting. Or we can let them go. We can... You know, ignore that friend that's reaching out because our schedule is just so busy. Or we can make time for them and figure out a way to hear what's going on in their life. You know, it's, it's buy, we can upgrade our perfectly fine winter coat. Or instead, we could buy one just to give it away. But it's a challenging decision to make. But here's how we know Jesus is right. Think about the people who've been truly great in your life. Is it really the, the celebrity, the person with the fame, the person with the status? Is it that, that neighbor that has the great car and the great family? Or is it someone who's used their influence to make your life better? Consider who's been really great in your life. Let me tell you who's been great in my life. Let me tell you who I consider great. John and Gaylene, they're great. When I moved 2,000 miles and a 40-hour drive later, they let me stay with them while I figured out a place to live. 
They invite me over for Thanksgiving. They continually invite me over and spend time with me. They're my Wisconsin parents. They make my life better. It's an anonymous friend of mine who, who uh, he wants to remain anonymous, and he invited me out for coffee one time. And he was just casually asking, he's like, hey, how much, how much do you owe in student loans? And he's a good friend, so I told him. And he pulls out his checkbook, and he writes me a check. He made my life better. It was Rick who, who invested in the life of a high school student um, and spent his Sunday nights just listening to him and talking to him and, and giving up that time. It was going to my cross-country meets and watching a run for funner. That's what he was doing. The people who I consider great in my life are the ones who, who spent their time, who spent their influence to make me feel loved and valued, to make my life better. Think about the people who've been great in your life. Isn't it someone that sacrificed something to make your life better? Now, now we have the opportunity to, to do that for someone else, to add a marble to their jar. And here, here are a couple questions to ask as we think through this. The first one, whose life can I make better? I think that's the first step. You know, just identify. You know, who, who, could you, who would you really connect with serving? Who would you have a passion for serving? You know, I think an easy trap for myself to fall into is just, you know, maybe you see a need and then you try to fill that need. And that's great. And that's a great way to, to help family and friends. And, and we should all do that. But it's that consistent pattern of serving that's really important. You know, so, so maybe it's joining an organization. You know, here at the Ridge, we actually vet a number of organizations that we partner with that are doing amazing things in our community. There's Hope Street and CareNet, Safe Families, City on a Hill, organizations that are, that are led well and that we trust, and they're doing amazing things in our community. Maybe it's joining one of them because those causes get you excited, and you have a passion for that group of people. You know, maybe it's here at the Ridge, and, and, you know, you saw someone smiling at you. And so you want to smile back at them. Your kid, your kid ran up to you and said, I actually love going to church. And you're like, wow, okay. And you're excited about that. Maybe you see the stories of life change. You want to be part of that. You remember what it was like to be a high school student, just wishing you had someone to talk to. And so you want to be that person talking to them. You want to be great, like, like Chris over in Oak Creek or, or Jenny or Afton who spend their Sundays either, either running slides or, or making coffee or greeting people or singing on stage. I want to challenge you. If, if the Ridge has made your life better, it's the people who serve here who have done that. And so consider being a part of that for those that do. Which, which leads me to my next question. What can I do to serve them? That's the second step. So the first step, we identify, hey, how, who can we use our influence on to, to make their life better? And the second is taking a step to actually doing that, to actually influencing them and making their life better. So sign up and serve. If you want to, there's a next steps room right after service, have a conversation with someone in there where they, they know the organizations they partner with. They know the different places that you can serve here at the Ridge. They can talk you through how to sign up and get involved. How can we add a marble to someone else's jar? Now, for those of you here that, that don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, the amazing thing about this stuff 
is that it still holds true. It's, it's great advice. See, if, if, um, if you um, serve someone, your influence with them will grow. It will. And you'll make their life better. But for those of you who do consider yourself a follower of Jesus, then this is more than just advice. Part of our life is about following the example that he led. And let's, let's look at what he said again. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. You and I, we need to stop seeking out ways to be served. Jesus, even though he had every right to, he didn't do that. Instead, he served others. And we should follow that example that he gave us. Now, maybe what you're thinking right now is, John, that's, that's really challenging. That is. To, to, focus, to focus that way on others, it's, it's a hard ask. I'm just not really sure if I buy it. I know, because it's, it's very challenging for me. But there's one added perk. So you serve your family. You make someone in your family's life better, okay? You add a marble to their jar. And all of a sudden, your relationship with them improves. All of a sudden, home is a little bit less stressful. You serve at work, you, you cover that extra shift. You, you're honest, and even if it costs you something, you've added some jars, and then the productivity of the team increases. And your stress at work, it goes down. You serve in our community. And our community gets better. It gets healthier. You serve a high school student who then invests in the life of your kid, who invests in their school. And all of a sudden, you see, and you stop being maybe a little bit less annoyed when someone cuts you off. You don't mind taking out the trash as much. And then you form this consistent pattern of serving. And the amazing thing, you join this organization, and you with them, all of a sudden, you're adding these handfuls of marbles to people's lives. And those marbles, they're coming right back into your life. Lost marble. <laughs> you're adding to their life. You're adding to your life. And because we stop focusing on our jar and on someone else's, because we use our influence to make their life better, our life was becoming better. And imagine the impact that would happen in your families, in our communities, in our schools, if instead of filling up our jar, if instead of doing that, we focused on the jars of others. We really invested in their lives. We served them well. Imagine that impact. Imagine how much actually better your life would be. Well, actually, better than better. That's the life Jesus says is great. Greatness isn't measured by how much you build your life up and make your life better. Greatness is the amount that you make someone else's life better. Would you all please pray with me? Dear Jesus, we know that we know that it can be challenging to, to get our mind uh, focused on, on building others up, on making their lives better. God, we know that's difficult. It takes a lot of strength and courage. We know it's hard. But God, you, 
you set an unbelievable example for us. You said that despite what we may hear, despite what we may think, greatness, greatness is the amount that we make others' lives better. It's how much we serve. Not because we want to check a box. It's not about checking a box. It's about really caring for people. It's about loving them. So God, we just ask that you'll give us the strength to, to have those thoughts, to have that courage to, to sign up to serve and to follow your example. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.